0: Come <laughs> Hello, folks. Well, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I am super excited to be here as your host, like I am every week, because I have the best freaking job in the world. My name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. We're going to be talking to Abby Merck in just a moment. But first, I have to thank our sponsors because most of what we do here at Rec Poker is free. We're a largely volunteer based organization. And so, sponsorship of great places like the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino uh, means a lot to us. And we would not exist without their support. And more on that coming soon because it's Rec Poker Weekend Week in Rec Poker Nation. We are coming to Running Aces this weekend. The, 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 uh, the horde descends is how I like to think about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there making peanut butter and jam sandwiches and buying beers for friends. Uh, so come on down if you haven't already. So we got to thank the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. We've got to thank our premium members. And we got three new premium members since uh, we were last on the air. So I'm really excited. Uh, I want to thank uh, Robert Cridell, uh Brian Schmuck, and Garen Yamashita. Uh Garion is uh uh Gary and Brian are both winners of the uh veterans uh campaign that we did with Angela Jordan and Jackie Berthardt a little while ago. And so I'm really looking forward to getting to know them a little better as they explore the membership here. And I also want to shout out uh Scott Pletka, who uh used our slash support page to uh hand off a little donation to help, uh, help us with what we do here at Rec Poker, because like I say, most of what we do here is free, and we really do depend on the support of our premium members and of our listeners like yourselves. The other people that make all the magic happen here are the Wrecking Crew. You get used to hearing my voice on Monday nights, but I am just one of the village, the crew, the group that make all the magic happen here. And If you want to find out more about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, but just listen up. You're going to meet a few of them right here tonight.
1: I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5v5 on threads or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game.
0: My name is Joe Coolis. You
2: can find me on Twitter at Joe Cool PhD, Cool with a K, or in the home game at Elvita11.
3: And I am John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN, everywhere.
0: Well, folks, we did it. We thanked the premium members, the Wrecking Crew members, the sponsors. Let's get into the interview. So I'm super excited to be welcoming uh, Abby Merck, Abby Poker, as she goes by on a lot of uh, the social handles these days. Chris is expanding his realm into threads. I don't know if that's in your future, Abby, but uh, welcome to the Wreck Poker podcast. Thanks for giving us a little time today.
4: Thanks so much for having me, you guys. I'm super excited to be here. Can't wait to get into it. Got a couple stories that I think the viewers will be interested in hearing, a couple hand histories that are super fun. So very excited to be here.
0: Nice. Well, uh, regular listeners might recall this time about last year was when uh, 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 Uncle Grandpa George Sanford and I were hanging our heads in shame because uh, abby and aj beat us in the last longer for the tag team event in the wsop uh, last year so abby i think i bought aj a beer but you are still technically owed a beer from that performance is my understanding so um we're gonna have to find a way to credit that at one point in the next little while maybe at a karaoke bar there's a little tease for something later in the episode you never know <laughs> So,
4: so, uh, i'm in <laughs> i
0: know <laughs> you're <I'm> in, in. <laughs>
4: uh, so, so, must in vegas
0: <laughs> yeah it's super i had a great time uh here well yes. let's let's start let's go way back here a little bit so um i like to start these interviews if folks don't know who's this abby Merck character um how, how do you how would you define your own place in the poker world that now this year in the summer of 2023
4: so I'm a professional poker player. Um that's what I do full time. Um I just made the the switch about like 6 months ago to you know becoming a pro. Um, I am also though a, an advocate for female empowerment, females rights and, um, finding their place at the table. That's really important to me. And then I'm also a content creator. So definitely creating content for a bunch of different platforms, work for poker news as a reporter, as I'm sure we'll talk about later. I make my own content, um, on a bunch of different platforms at Abby poker on pretty much everything. Um, and that's really kind of what I love to do. So Any of those, you know, any of those titles, I'm happy to wear.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, congratulations on going pro. And um, I think, you know, to really make it in the poker world these days, it helps to have a few different things going on in the poker industry. So I really like the way you talk about sort of creating content, playing as a profession, and then also having these other layers like the reporting and that kind of thing. Um, That was one of the things I want to talk to you about. When we bumped into each other down in Vegas this year, you were splitting your time between playing the series and also reporting. So um, tell us a little bit about sort of how you got started with Poker News and what that experience was like.
4: Yeah. So I'm a firm believer to love what you do and do what you love. And for me, that's poker. So um, as soon as I started playing, I kind of fell in love with the game. I loved the strategy aspects. I love the competitive nature of it. I loved how it was really a game of life, kind of. Um, But you're playing at a table with eight other people. Um, so I knew that I wanted to like be in this industry. I knew that I wanted to try to pursue my dream, and that was through poker. However, I also have a love of people. And mm. at the poker table, that can look like... Um, going one-on-one in someone in a hand, trying to outsmart them, trying to outmaneuver them, trying to potentially make the best hand or make them believe that you have the best hand. But off the table, I really wanted to stay involved. Um, I did a lot of work with um, female empowerment groups throughout the ages, um, such as Poker Power, who I'm very, very grateful for, um, for everything that I've done with them. Um, and then I knew I wanted to stay involved just working with people outside of the poker table so I kind of reached out to Poker News to see if that could be my next step I loved the fact that I was able to talk to all the pros, I was able to ask them questions, what what do the people want to hear, what do I want to know, right, like I'm going up to these like players who have millions upon millions of lifetime earnings they have um, thousands, millions hundreds of millions of hands different experiences, I'm like what would I want to know and all of that content I really wanted to make approachable for everyone else. I didn't want to be the only one that was hearing these stories. So Poker News is an amazing platform um, to spread that.
0: Yeah. And they, and they do a great job. And I know. So it, it's interesting. I don't hear about a lot of players being able to kind of split their time between playing and reporting because the reporting side of it is a grind. So if people don't know, sure. I mean, it is, a, it is a hard job. You're on all the time down there. And the you know the poker community as full of wonderful generous people as it is they can kind of have some quick harsh feedback if there's some details wrong in a hand about their you know some, some i know joe's like no way but yeah some some poker players if the details of the hand reporting isn't like perfect they can get a little snarky about it um what what is is that a unique sp- Uh, arrangement that you were able to strike with them to be able to kind of give yourself the flexibility to play, but also have this uh, uh, professional reporter um, commitment and mandate?
4: Yeah, so I think it's a little bit different for me because I'm actually not a reporter. So I don't take hands Hand histories or anything like that from the players. I'm not like going from table to table trying to like find the action. What I was more doing was content creation. So I was like doing interviews and like in front of the camera work. um, I was trying to find niche topics to talk about with these pros and find things that I thought were interesting. So I was asking questions. For example, like my favorite one that I asked this summer was um, okay, so you're in the main event, 10K buy in. It's the very first hand, you sit down, blinds are 100, 100 or 100 200 sorry 60k starting stack 300 big blinds very firsthand and you are 100 sure that the under the gun player has gone all in blind <laughs> what does your calling range consist of Right. Like ch- Chance Cornuth, what are you calling there? Right. If you're 100% sure that it's blind. And I was just curious, I'm like, what what are the pros going to do in situations like that? I mean, that one might be a little bit silly, but we ask strategy questions. Um, we ask day in the life questions. How do they strike hmm. a balance, lifestyle, things like that? So my job was pretty unique in the sense that I didn't have to stay until 3 a.m. when the tournament um, broke. So I was actually able to talk to Poker News and work with them um, so that I was able to play a full schedule this summer. And also do what I love in terms of content creation with them as well. So I'm super fortunate for that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And and would you say it was a success? And now I know. I mean, it it, it must still feel like a grind being down. I was only down there for like less than three weeks, and I needed a break by the end of it. But uh, how how did it go?
4: It went amazingly. I mean, I got to talk to all of my idols. I met, um, you know, my my poker crushes if you will not in terms of like looks but in terms of like skill you know what i mean these people the idols idols is a better word than crushes yeah the people that you just like look up to your whole life um and they actually quickly became some of my good friends like that is such a dream you know what i mean they're able to refer to me as my first name not just like oh uh, content creator number one right so like that was really cool um i think that playing wise i got to do what i love every single day i was not making content and not interviewing, not, not finding those, um, hooks I was playing and I was able to compete and I was able to put my money where my mouth was right. And get into the thick of it. So I had an absolute blast this summer. I think that the, 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 niche space space that is poker is such a special one and all it takes is sitting down in like one $300 gladiators tournament to see that like the people you meet are so special so whether or not I was playing or um you know doing some content I just had a blast the summer was an absolute success for me yeah
0: and uh you mentioned sort of like so it, it is a little hard at first walking up to these poker idols and you know asking them questions or interacting them with their game Um, I've told, I I mean, I gotta say, since I started hosting the podcast or since I got involved here at rec poker, um, I've been impressed at how sort of like once you take a step into the poker world, how gracious and accommodating and generous all these people are. And it is, it is pretty cool when it's sort of like you can have a one to one first name conversation with some of them. That's, that's a, that's a, a non trivial aspect of how much yeah. fun I get out of this for sure. Um, were, were there a couple moments where you were sort of like, eee, like, how do I start this or how do I break? How do <laughs> I, uh, interrupt this person? What was that like?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm a very outgoing person. I love to talk to people. I love when people talk to me. Like if I'm standing in line, please come say hi to me. Like I am, um, I swear I will say hello back. I want to know your story. I want to know who you are. But there were a couple times when, you know, my outgoing nature kind of maybe worked against me a little bit. Like for example, um, there's just etiquette at the poker table. Like if you're if you're in the middle of the hand, I'm never gonna come like ask you, hey, can I grab you for an interview? Like never gonna happen. Um, I didn't really also have Have anyone say no to me? Like, everyone was pretty sweet because I was pretty considerate of the poker etiquette, never Mm -hmm. going in when you're paying the small blind or the big blind, just never doing it. Um, Majority of the time, it would be after you folded a hand in like middle position and like there was already something big going on. And I made sure to keep my interviews succinct. And if I knew they were going to be longer, then I was going to do it on break. So that was like kind of my strategy for actually approaching people. But I had some funny stories though um, about how I actually met some people. For example, Phil Ivy, all right, mm. known for being a particularly um, solemn guy, right? Doesn't True. doesn't break a doesn't break a smile. Like he's he's very focused, very locked in at the table. Um, so my dumbass is walking around, you know, trying to find people, and I'm with my coworker Brad, and it had been like a seven hour day for us already. We're having a time, like we're definitely you know about to get off, right? We're trying to find a couple more people to like finish an interview um, segment, right? And I go by Phil Ivy, and I don't, I don't realize it's him at first. And I do the Michael Jackson, like, like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like on your toes and you do the full, like the Michael Jackson pose and Phil Ivy mid hand starts dying, laughing.
5: <laughs> <laughs> he
4: he's like, Oh my God. Like I roll laughing at me. And of course, like, he's the one that I've been trying to find for the past, like 20 minutes to interview. And I'm like, God, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm like now i have to go introduce myself to phil ivy after doing the michael jackson he he in the middle of the aisle in a freaking 50k or whatever it was so anyway that was like i don't know a pretty good example of
0: <laughs> me
5: putting yeah.
4: myself in the or shooting myself but, in the
0: but it worked didn't it i mean it got it the did. smile and and that helps a lot when it comes yeah. to uh getting the interview right <laughs> definitely uh. Yeah, good for you. Well, you reap reap what you sow. I I believe that. Um, I'll just remind our YouTube uh, chatters, uh, feel free if you've got any questions for Abby, type them up in the YouTube chat there. And if you're listening to this at home in the audio format, I would just say, boy, you should have tuned in for free on Monday night at 730 Eastern, uh, because we do this every week and you can come and uh, chat with our guests in real time. And you can even win a prize in our food bank raffle at the end of the show. So stick around. And uh, start to come on, join us on YouTube on uh, on Monday evenings. OK, so um, that. Yeah. So, so the reporting side of thing, the, the content creation side of thing, I want to ask a little bit about that. Um, how did you choose what platform or platforms to use? What kind of medium was going to be good for the content that you wanted to bring to the poker world? And how has that shaped uh, the type of content or like sort of the content itself that you produce?
4: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, When it comes to picking where I kind of wanted to work and what I kind of wanted to do, Poker News was a really obvious choice for me. I had a lot of people that I had known that works there that I really respect. Um, I had a lot of people that I had met throughout the ages that I, I just like trust as people. And I know that when I when I whether it was like me meeting a deliverable um, in terms of like promotion for a certain upcoming event, for example, like the main event, you got to do some some type of video involving the main event. No sweat. I knew I was capable of doing that, but I also knew that they were going to give me kind of the freedom to have sort of a vision um, and be able to execute that. I just felt like that, the Poker News, they're really reliable, very trustworthy brand. Um, that was really important to me the people I was going to be working with was also really important to me. And then the access to do what I needed to do was also really important to me. Mm. Um, for example, I think like a uh, poker poker org only has like the first five minutes of every hour. And I was like, look, I'm trying to make content. I want it to be good. I want the access to the people that I want to talk to. And I want to um, explore the routes that I want to explore. And I need the time to like do that. Um, so I think that the poker news was an obvious choice because of that, and I'm really happy that I, that I chose them because of all the content that we created together over the summer. Like I'm really happy with how it turned out, whether it was like some creative projects that I worked on with like Branson or Greg goes all in, um, for poker news, or it was the more interview format that I worked on with some of my colleagues. Um, it was just, it was a blast.
0: Nice. Uh, we've got a comment here from the YouTube chat from, uh, our, uh, my friend Friend friend, It's a nemesis that's also a friend. We're working on the best way to say that. Friend of me, yeah. Friend of me. Yeah. Friend of me is pretty good. Friend of me is pretty yeah. good. Um, they say that Phil a Phil, Phil Ivy is like the fifth best Phil. So that's coming from a Phil himself. So he's a little biased. So I want to okay. know. Uh, Joe asks to see his uh, his ranking of the Phil. So maybe we'll get to that a little later in the show. Um, sure. Abby, was there anything about the experience of working with Poker News or working the floor or doing the content creation side? that you feel like gives you an edge while playing poker or maybe helps you think about things in a different way? Talk about that a little.
4: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that being a reporter and talking to people about for example, strategy questions was really interesting to me. Um, for example, I did some interviews like I was talking about before with the what what's your calling range look like? And I would mm-hmm. do uh mm-hmm. questions, for example, um, a freeze out or like uh what is your how does your strategy change in a freeze out in comparison to a regular rebuy tournament? Does it change for you when you have 10 bajillion bullets to fire and you can just go play the Venetian? Like you don't necessarily need to be at the WSOP. And also like who's taking those high variance routes, who's ready to like be in it for the long grind. Do you want to be uh, there from the beginning? Do you not want to be there from the beginning? Hearing all of those answers from all of the, the players that I respect the most and also the players who have the results to be able to 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 be able to, like have that opinion um, definitely helped my game. I realized a lot about what variance is. I mean, I think that a lot of, for example, when I was asking people, it's a freeze out. You have one bullet. What are you going to mm-hmm. do if this bullet doesn't go your way? They're snap rebuying into the Venetian you know, 2k, right? So it's like, um, they don't care about like the freeze out aspect as much as other people. And then other people that I interviewed would say, okay, well, um, I have one bullet into this. It's a high buy-in. I would like to be calling off less since people are just not going to be bluffing as frequently. So like hearing those things, you're just like, this is a great, a great point. Like maybe I didn't think about that. Right. Um, Add those little advantages to your game and start to become a better player for sure.
0: I like that's a great answer. Uh Chris.
1: Yeah, Abby, we've got a question from uh YouTube, but it also kind of relates to one that I w- I had when you mentioned this at the beginning. You just mentioned 6 months ago you went you sort of turned pro as a professional professional poker player. Uh question in YouTube is uh when did you go from thinking I'm a poker player to I'm a professional poker player? And I guess my question sort of ex- to expand on that is what did you do to prepare yourself to like say this is something I want to do. It's a dream, but it's something I've got to make reality. I've got to make work. I could burn out. You've seen people have the sort of things in poker where they just kind of flame out. So what did you do to prepare yourself to to make that, that switch?
4: Yeah, I think the difference for me, um, it's, yeah, I think, I guess what I would, the switch that was made in my head to from becoming like a amateur poker player to like a professional was doing it to support myself in the real world. So as soon as you make that switch, I think you can call yourself a professional no matter if you've been doing it for a day or you've been doing it for 10 years. Um, Poker is my primary source of income right now. So I'm going to call myself a professional, not necessarily because I was at the WSOP, but because I'm doing it for a living. So I think that I really hate the stereotype of like, oh, you're not a professional if you don't have X amount in handed mob, Like, hell no. Right. Like if you are doing this and you um, are doing it seriously and you're putting the time into it, you can absolutely be a poker professional as well. Um, I hate the, the like gatekeeping that comes with that term, but either way um, that's one point. And then also like, what did I do to prepare? So um, I'd like to give a small shout out to Chris Moon on this one. Um, He's my coach. So I've worked with him for a couple months now, um, relatively new thing. He's been really helpful, but also I want to credit myself as well because I've done a lot of studying and a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes, uh, primarily in tournament poker. I think that cash is okay. And like, I like playing cash too, but tournaments are where my heart is. (laughs) You know, um, that's definitely what I've spent the most time studying, um, whether it comes to, you know, resources like GTO wizard or Pio solver or munker solver, things like that, munker viewer, whatever, like these resources are accessible for anyone to use. And they're also something that's insanely, insanely helpful. Like the more spots you see, the more um, times you've gone over the same thing, the better you'll be in, in the future. So I think that, you know, studying really hard for the series was a big part of my success this summer. But then also, um, you know, there's obviously ter- variants of, okay, I got it in as a 70% and I'm not holding, like that's, <laughs> that's not great. So either way, a lot of hard work, a lot of patience and help from friends talking about hand mm. histories with, I mean, even people we talked about earlier, like Angela Jordison, Jackie, um, Kaina, right? Like some of my girlfriends and then also these people that I was meeting, um, I'm talking hand histories with like the the crushers of the world, right? Like the people that, um, yeah, like just had the results and they're telling me, Abby, that's a punt, right? I'm like, oh shit, Jason Kuhn's telling me that's a punt. <laughs> all right I slack, right so like <laughs> um just making the adjustments and reaching out to people that whose opinions i respect hearing different opinions what everyone would do on different streets breaking it down step by step um it's been really really helpful for my game
0: and talk a little bit about sort of the importance of having a coach or having a community like that because i think a lot of our listeners like when I joined Rec Poker as a premium member, it was because I had listened to the podcast. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I watched videos. I read books. I did a lot of pen and paper work on my own. But I really hamstrung my progress as a player by being a kind of a lurker and a loner and not getting help. Uh, so I talk about it a lot. But but why don't you talk a little bit about sort of like why is it important? What 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 do you get so much out of it that that makes it so crucial?
4: Yeah, I love talking hand histories with literally anyone that will. Um, (laughs) any skill level, I like talking to, even when I only play tournaments, like I like talking to cash game players, because guess Mm. what? Not everyone that you're going to play against in a tournament is a cash game player. I like talking to people who I think are not that good at poker, and I like talking to the best in the world, right? Like I want to hear their perspectives because I'm using it to help my game. So for example, Landon Tice one of my really good friends um someone whose game I respect a lot I think he's a crusher he's put a ton of time in really respect him and his game. I'll talk a hand history with him and I'll break everything down step by step with him like street by street pre-flop I'll talk sizing with him and he will stop me at every literally every point like one hand probably takes us like 25 minutes it's it's yeah. insane. Um, and he'll just be like, Okay, you should be doing this like at this frequency. Why do you think that is? I'm like, that's a great question, Landon. Like, why, why would I do this? But then he'll also say, too, he'll say things like, if this was me, I would be betting or I would be calling with King High here, for example, right? And I'd say, Okay, Landon, why do you think like, why do you think in this specific tournament against these specific people that they would ever be bluffing here? Right? Like, because if you're calling with King High, that's a bluff catcher. He's like, Well, I think that people are capable of doing this. And even hearing stuff like that, changes my perspective on the way that people are looking. And then also when I play a player like Landon Tice, I can now use his logic and his reasoning to Mm. kind of make a better decision. And like, that's all poker is, is making the best decision that you possibly can with incomplete information. So I'll talk to everybody. Um, Hit me up. You guys love talking hand histories, post (laughs) literally all the time on my Instagram story, um, step-by-step. So if you ever want to slide, slide up, let me know what you think i'm literally reading every single one so nice well let's
0: let's (laughs) let's i'll take you at your word let's talk a hand or two right now so you were down in vegas for the world series of poker uh you got a chance to play a little bit i'm sure you came across some interesting spots uh what was what was one let's let's just start what was one hand that sort of caught your interest you thought would be interesting to share with the group here
4: Okay, let's do it. So I have a super fun one today. Um, it's a hand that I played versus the one, the only, Stephen Chidwick. Absolute crusher. Literally, in my opinion, one of the best poker players alive right now. Um, guy's a genius. And if there's anyone that's capable of having a bluff, it's going to be him. Let's hear what you guys think. So <laughs> I'm in the cutoff, right? And I have ace-queen offsuit. I have the ace of spades and... or Sorry, the ace of clubs and the queen of hearts. Um, I don't have spades. That becomes important. So the... So I raised to, it's, it's all right. I've just doubled up. So at the beginning of the hand, I had about like 75, 80 big blinds effective. So I'm pretty deep. Um, I have open raised to 2.2 big blinds from the cutoff. He's in the big blind. Okay. He defends his big blind. It's literally, it's just heads up. The flop comes the ace of spades, the king of spades and a seven of hearts or something like that. It was an offsuit seven. It was not a spade. Um, Okay. He checks to me and I bet small here. I bet about one and a half big blinds. So definitely a small bet. I think upon like further review and study, that's probably not great. I think I can start betting really big with my sets and my two pairs here. So I kind of like a bigger size better here. And like, I can definitely do that with ace queen as well. Um, Also shout out pads for talking to this hand, talking about this hand with me. Um, Okay. So either way, I bet really small and he just called. So he floated, floated the flop there. Also with the spade draw, maybe bigger bet is better. He's going to have a lot of spade combinations in the big blind. So not a great sizing. Okay. He just called. The turn is the queen of clubs. So not a spade. Gives me two pair. Favors my range. Good card, right? He checks. I now start to polarize because I, at this point, lose to 10-jack and that's it. Uh, No, also sets, but he really doesn't have a lot of sets here besides maybe sevens, um, which he might have been three-betting me flop with, given the way that he had been playing at the table. It's potential. I don't think he has a lot of two-pairs himself here because I really think he would have been three-betting that pre. I had seen him three-bet like king-queen, right? Like... Ace King, obviously, is a three bet. Um, Any other combination, like maybe, maybe he has like queen seven, king seven type of thing, a seven occasionally, right? Like, but even a seven, if it was suited, could have been a three bet from him. Um, Definitely aggressive player willing to put people to the test. Anyway, I bet big on this turn. So I think I had the best hand. I beat a lot of his perceived range. I bet big. I think I bet like three quarter pot at this point. Um, And he raises four X.
5: Ooh.
4: so automatically i'm like oh shit i'm about to get into a gigapot <laughs> with steven chidwick like oh <laughs> my god
0: and, um, and just remind remind the audience here for a second so the the board yeah. is ace king seven queen with two spades is that right and we're right. holding uh ace queen with no spades so top pair uh uh aces and queens but as you say there's sets and there's uh jack 10 for the straight. okay so he yeah. check raises pretty emphatically.
4: Pretty big, yeah. And instantaneously, the thought that goes through my head is he's setting up he's setting up a river jam.
5: Mm.
4: Uh, that's instantaneously what I think. Um, because I think this, this is actually where I think I make a mistake in this hand. Because I think I should have, given the fact that I had recognized that, I should have been asking myself, Am I ready to call off a a river jam? What cards can I call off a river jam on if I call here? Do I want to ship? If I ship, am I getting called by worse, right? Like um, all of these questions like should have kind of been going through my head Um, An additional element that was going on in this hand that was adding a lot of pressure was the fact that we, our table was breaking as we speak, like floor Mm. was throwing out chips to, or sorry, throwing out cards, like redraw cards to other players at my table while I'm in the tank on the turn. (laughs) So automatically a lot of stress, a lot of pressure going on, but I try to keep like a neutral head and just like make the best decision. This was the main event. It was the biggest buy-in of my life. Like the, the stakes were high on this call, Right. Um, So anyway, I think forever. And I do end up making the call with the plan to call off river jams on any non-spade, any non-10 and any non-7. I thought to myself, like, what hands could he be doing this with, like as a bluff? And I think that there were enough like 10x combinations of spades or jack x combination of spades or potentially like if you have 10-7 for example of spades and you're literally sitting there with set blockers and flush blockers and straight blockers and you're just going for it like this is steven chidwick we're talking about this is not like (laughs) betty from ohio right this is not dave from nebraska like this is steven chidwick so if anyone's going to show up here with bluffs like it's going to be this man so either way i ended up placing the call And we go to a river, which is the four of hearts. So very clear, clean river in terms of like his bluffs miss. Um, He doesn't improve if he has a bluff. He thinks for a a little bit, not super long, pretty balanced in his thought process, like no tells there, unfortunately. And then jams. And I knew it was coming. Like, I can't pretend like I'm like not, you know, I can't pretend like I'm surprised to see this. If you know, there's someone that's going to triple barrel. It's going to be Steven Chidwick. And I thought forever, like I thought this was going to be a snap. Like my plan was literally to call off on any non-spade. And I ended up folding because I don't, and this is like something that I learned from playing with like a lot of these pros, especially for as long as I did this summer. I don't think the pros are bluffing as much as people think that they are. Mm -hmm. I think that they have a lot of edge in the field and there is no reason for him to risk 80% of his own stack on a bluff versus me when his edge is so big versus like a lot of players. I hadn't been getting out of line. Like I had been playing really tight because I was short stacked for like a lot of the day before I had just doubled up in that hand. I don't know that there's a lot of reason why he would have to get out of line. He does have sets that play this way. Like he does have value hands that play this way. And like the thing that I kept on going back to in my hand is like, er, sorry, in my head is what does, what value hands does he have that I beat? Mm -hmm. And I was forcing myself to like, think about it. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, does he play King queen this way? Right. Another two pair. That's just like, got ace jack dominated it right like does he play king queen this way and I kept on telling myself that he wouldn't like I literally think that he would be three like three betting that pre-flop like I don't think that we would get to this spot with a value hand anymore so it's polar like it's you had you're telling me you have a set or 10 jack or you have 10 high or jack high basically <laughs> uh, nice. with state and I ended up making the folds and I talked to him later about it and I was like hey steven uh-huh. <laughs> you should tell me what you had. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a I'm a you know new pro to the scene. Like I'd love to know if I made the right decision. Like I, I respect your game a lot. Like, what did you have? And he wouldn't tell me. He's like, oh. yeah. He was like, I respect your game. I really think we'll see each other again in the future. And like I I don't want to tell you for that reason. And I was like,
5: <laughs> like
4: yeah, right. I was <laughs> oh my God. But it was great. Let me know what you guys think, though, if anyone has thoughts, what you would have done differently. I'm happy to hear it.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting spot because he's really, I mean, he's definitely three. Do, do you think he's three betting 100% of the time with like aces and kings and queens preflop uh, in that spot? Because because that really puts them all, sets are really, sevens are really the only set that that we can credit him with. Right. Um, yeah,
4: never like getting it. there with fours.
0: <laughs> really? No, exactly. Not on that line. Uh, Kim, you, so, you unmuted there. What's on yeah, your mind, Kim? Only
5: because. To me, when now it may be indifferent in Stephen's case, but to me, when he won't tell you what he had, it makes it lean much more towards a bluff, in my opinion. Yeah, than a value hand <laughs> and because so he doesn't want to give people... you that information.
0: Because you see, so you think like that they they like so the 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 pros. I mean, the, the... most
5: people will just say like you know if they had Jack ten, they'd say I had Jack ten. You made a great fold. right Right? like but it's like the fact that he won't tell to me leans more towards bluff but i could be totally off base with that assessment
0: joe what about you
2: well i'm i'm going to help abby with her um self-concept in poker because i think the fact that he wouldn't tell probably speaks to his uh the the power of abby's game that it's it's you know, if you're never going to see somebody again, you're just not you're you're either going to lie or you're going to uh, just tell. Right. You're not going to resist doing that because that breaks the social contract and is uncomfortable for everybody involved. So um, whether he, you know, look, I'm I, I bow to to um, to anybody else's opinion, uh, uh, particularly Kim's about whether that was a bluff or not. But I think that's feathering a cap uh, that he resisted, that he might see you at a table because mm-hmm. he's telling me because he'll never see me at the table again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah definitely. I that. Abby, my question is, um, so you went into, so you you played the turn, you made this plan calling the turn bet. And we talk about this all the time. Sometimes we talk about like, the importance of having a plan, but we also talk about the importance of being able to pull the ripcord when when things aren't coming out the way that, that you think that they would. So, what was there? What caused you to change your mind between the turn? Because I I really like the way that you laid this out. You're like, I had this plan. These are the safeguards. A safeguard came, and then I folded. So, what? Talk about that process a little bit in your mind.
4: Yeah, um, I was thinking about two things, really. One of them I kind of mentioned, but just like the fact that I don't know that. Like, so first of all, previous hands with him when he had been betting polar in this way, it was to set up like river jams when he had really strong really disguised mm-hmm. hands. Um also he's betting like this into my range so he has to be careful with how he's going about this. Like you need to be really really thoughtful about which hands you're going to go up against. Like it's like under the gun under the gun versus button, right? Like under the gun has everything here. Button has nothing. Different situation, but you get the point. Um that was one thing I was thinking about. And then I was thinking about also What should I be calling with that makes me not exploitable um, in the long run? Because it actually is important for me to have calling hands here, even if I lose. Um, Is ace queen one of those hands? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. was kind of unaware. I, I actually think that I would have better hands to call this with than ace queen. And some of them are weaker than ace queen. Like, obviously I have sets, which I'm going to call with like at a way higher frequency. I'm going to have 10 jack myself, which obviously I'm going to call. I'm going to have, but I'm also going to have like weaker hands that actually should be calling here. So for example, if I had like ace jack with the jack of spades, I almost have to call, right? Like... I don't know, like right. i be blocking a lot. Maybe ace-jack with no spade is better because like I want him to have a flush draw, but like I'm blocking the straight. Um, I think that would actually make more sense. But I'm thinking about like what, what hands like I should be calling with and like is this one of those hands? Like I can even have ace-king here, which is like a better call than ace-queen. So I ended up thinking that I was pretty bottom of range to make this call. And when I put everything like player type, hands that he had shown down, um my gut was kind of just telling me to fold and it was obviously for my tournament life so you know but my i don't know i have a pretty good gut like i every time i've made a call because like i have to like i'm top of range like and i my gut is like holy shit they're just not bluffing like i've been wrong and i'm like oh but i'm not ex- like i'm not exploitable here and like my gut's just like <laughs> you know what they have like just let it go um and this was just like one of those times when um my gut was really telling me to get out of there. So I think that's what made me ended up changing my mind. He was also like for the rest of the time he had been like, I don't know if this is a tell because it's freaking Stephen Chidwick, like who knows, (laughs) but he was like the entire time staring people down, like, you know, direct in the eye, whatever, it doesn't matter. And this time he was looking at the board and I was just like, you don't want to look at me like I don't know, maybe that's weakness. I don't think it is from Steven. Like it was just a lot of factors where I was just kind of like, this is not. I think I can find better spots. And more importantly, like, not only does he have better edge in the field to be bluffing, like I have better edge in the field. I am a good poker player. And like, I if we're about to break tables, I'm not gonna get stuck on day two of the main event with Stephen Chidwick. <laughs> like I'm gonna to go to a, a table full of like people that I've never met before. This is why would I risk my tournament life here when I still have so much edge left and so much playability? Like after this hand, I had 40 bigs. Like that's fine. Like I have piles. It's the main,
5: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So
4: a lot of those factors kind of went into me changing my mind, but
0: nice. Well, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Kim, you went, un- you unmuted next. Segment. Yeah.
5: I, I think your observation that why would he, that throws that good won't bluff as much. Yeah. I think is really an excellent observation because have such an edge on the field Mm -hmm. so when they are bluffing it's usually versus another pro or somebody they see as, you know like playing on the same exact same level as they are so i really like your observation that way to lean towards it but i want to ask you like why if if you're if you thought you were going to reach a fold on the river on a blank Why did you call the 4X on the turn? Yeah, I really wish that I had a good answer for that one. (laughs) I fully
4: was planning on calling on the four of hearts. I really was. Like, I was fully prepared to put my stack in. And I was going to beat that, you know, guy into a pot, right? Like, I I was ready to click call. But I think when you're calling for your tournament life if you're non-nutted, take your time, right? Like this was for sure the biggest spot of my life. Um, People say like, think long, think wrong. But like, I think I'm a pretty level-headed person. And like, I think that, you know, thinking long doesn't necessarily mean think wrong for me. And like, the more I thought about it and weighed all these factors that I was kind of talking about with what should I be calling with here? Like, what do I have better hands to call? Like what, what bluff combos does he have that plays this way? Like things like that. I don't think that the call on the turn was good by any means. Like if I know that I'm going to fold on a, on a, um, blank, like, you know, I should be out of there on the turn, but then there's also the tiny little factor of, even if he has Jack 10, i have (laughs) outs.
0: Yeah. Right. Queens and aces exist. You never (laughs) know. Exactly. That's the Bluff-Dorini approach right there. (laughs) That's going to get you in some trouble though, Abby, just full, full, full credit. Totally.
5: Yeah. Totally yeah i i like i like that take because i don't think any of us could have found a fool there on, on the yeah. turn. yeah tough. good for you thanks
0: uh, chris you uh you unmuted next i
1: think well i i was just gonna say like the the thing that i really love about what you were saying um about this hand and because it's the main event i think that does really change things and it changes things even for people like Stephen chidwick right like like mm. i think like if this is like a triton 100k and you're in there with mateos and coon and whatever and you're sitting at that table this same hand happens i think you have to call but Yuck. like the he i don't i think you're right he's bluffing less in this spot so i i really love the read um and you know i don't even mind the turn call because like i think i think even somebody like you know chidwick can give up here sometimes like once once you call a forex turn bet and they're just like this this she's got it. She's not, she's not folding. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't even mind that. So I, I think it's, I think it's a well-played hand and I, I love your ability to change that on, on the river to change your plan on the river.
0: Thanks. And I think, you know, especially a player like uh Chidwick, he's going to have spots where he does set up the river shove and doesn't take it. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. part of being balanced on the turn for that player. Um, so you Perfect. put that in there. Plus you get the chance to pair the board and fill up. Um, I get I get the argument uh, for that as well. Uh, John Somsky, you had something, I think.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say I uh, love your analysis there. Uh, I know in my – if I were in that situation, I don't think I would have found the fold, but I'm a big believer in going with your gut because mm. I think you pick up on things that you don't even necessarily know what you're picking up on, particularly when you're playing live. Uh, mm. And I think you're dead on – uh, for me, it may have been the most plus EV trying to double up in the main right there, but for you, it was probably worth sticking around and trying to get to a uh, table that didn't wasn't quite as uh, stacked as that one.
5: Yeah, yeah
0: that's for a sure. good
3: point,
2: and Joe. And even if he did bluff you, uh, one of the things I've learned in, in terms of becoming a better bluffer is recognizing when they actually recognize the bluff possibility on the board and uh, if if they can't see it then they're going to call you with whatever they have and so the more they're trying to bluff you the more that they think that you're probably pretty good
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For
0: sure. um, so a couple comments in the YouTube chat here uh, so Phil Phil has been listing his favorite Phils um, so far uh, it's, it seems like it's a list of two Phil Collins is number one and Phil Hartman is number two those are pretty hard to argue with and got to appreciate the uh, humility of our own Phil for not putting himself even on the list okay. of his favorite Phil. So that's that's something. Um, also, I have, to say, I have to use a segue to say I was talking to Martha today, and she reminded me how much she likes Phil. And even though she's not able to watch the podcast live right now because she's going through something, um, she wanted to say, make sure you tell Phil that, that Martha thinks he's really funny. I was like, oh, God, you really got to make me say that to him? Like talk about twisting the knife Martha good lord but all right um so there was one other question in the in the youtube uh, chat here from type login uh chris i just beached to it yeah um, it did. did did you consider all in on the term
4: I did, but I was definitely thinking about what hands that he can call me with that are worse. Cause if you're going to jam, like you expect to get called by worse. And if I'm jamming the turn, he's just folding all his bluffs, which I don't want. And then if he has a better hand than me, he's calling. And I think that this was one of those situations where he is so unbelievably polar. Like he literally only has again, like 10 or Jack high and he's got spades and he's bluffing Um, or he has... nuts and that's kind of what i felt on the turn and i think if i jam it's kind of a punt because like if i jam and i'm only getting called by better it's not a good jam so i didn't really consider jamming on the turn because i just couldn't name anything that i could get called by that was worse like i i really like it goes back to that king queen question like is he going to play king queen like this Mm -hmm. ever and i just didn't think that he would to be honest with you like, I really just don't think he's playing king-queen like this. So I didn't consider a jam on the turn. But if you can tell me, uh, and this is not like a, you know, anger Throwdown. question. Like, if you can tell me, like, <laughs> uh, a hand that I that he can call with that I beat if I jam the turn, especially for, like, 40 more bigs or, like, 35 more bigs or however much it was, 30 bigs maybe, 30 to 40 bigs at this point then I would love it and I would reconsider it next time
0: for sure. It did, as you were describing it, it did seem to me to be that spot where that dreaded spot where you allow them to play perfectly. Like you say, yep. they just only, only continue with better hands. And anytime you're presenting an opponent with that option, you probably should have taken a better action if, if you're, if yes. you're really allowing them to play perfectly. So that, that makes sense. For sure. Um, so what's, what's next for Abby Merck? uh you're working with poker news you're a professional yes. poker player now you're creating content you're going on awesome podcasts what uh <laughs> yep. what's what's next in the in the poker story for Abby Murk?
4: yeah so i'm doing some traveling uh upcoming here um i was thinking about going to barcelona but instead i'm actually going to go to philadelphia baby let's go Ooh. um no i'm just kidding america's
0: barcelona yeah yes, exactly, yeah yes exactly
4: yeah <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um yeah no it's gonna be it's gonna be great um but i'm going with um with poker news there so i'm gonna be doing some work in the late months of september they got a big series out there um with oh i can't even remember who's hosting it but oh poker stars poker stars is hosting it oh so nice yeah
2: awesome.
4: so i'll be there it's a weekend tournament uh three weekends in a row so it'll be fun But in terms of playing, they have a couple of MSPTs that are here in Chicago. They have the WSOP circuit stuff that's coming to Chicago. Um, My boyfriend lives in Ohio. So, like, I'm going to go travel to, like, Cincinnati and, like, Cleveland and stuff like that um, because it's not only close to me, but it's also, you know – I have a free place to stay let's go nice
0: there you go yeah
4: Um, (laughs) no I'm just kidding uh
0: (laughs) just a little though having a free place to stay for a traveling poker player makes a huge (laughs) difference it really does no
4: for sure I totally agree (laughs) so I think that's kind of in the works I was going to go to Florida um because there's the uh the Sherpa tournaments down there but buy-ins were probably a little high. uh mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm playing 10Ks consistently yet and 5Ks. So, you know, I'm just playing within my range. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Like, in terms oh, God, of no. people that, you know, want to start playing tournaments, but maybe they're cash players and they're like, oh, well, I'm not playing the main event. Like, is it worth it? Yeah. Right. Like, $300 tournaments are just as fun as a 10K. Like, really, if you love the game and you love what you do, like, Come to an MSPT and play a two fifty, right? Like, you know, you have no excuse wherever you are in the world. Just because you're not in Vegas, just because you're not able to buy into a ten k, like, if you love it, you'll figure it out. And like, I'll see you there. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice.
0: (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah, we got some fun people in the chat. Yeah, some of our members are right in that part of uh, part of the world actually. So talking about what is it at the parks? And uh, yeah, Phil and probably Jim Gibson might find their way up there. So you're going to be in a good poker. You're going to be a good poker place there, it sounds like. We're actually talking about maybe doing a trip down to Cleveland for uh, a Run Good event coming up uh, in a while, too. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that is fun. They have so much fun on their tours. And uh, that's that's one of those ones that you can drive to from Toronto. So you never know. Uh, You might might (laughs) see us down there. So speaking about having fun uh, while you're out there and sort of um, enjoying the ride. Uh you how long were you down in Las Vegas for for this series? Did you go down for the entire thing? How long? Cuz you're not you're not a, you're not in Vegas full time. What was what no. how long were you there?
4: So I was there for like a month and a half, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um I flew there on like the 7th of June and then I left the 20th of July. So I was there for a minute. Um I yeah. It was it was a long time to be in Vegas, but to be honest, everything, every day in Vegas is literally just a brand new. Mm-hmm. The people that you talk to and the, the places you see, the hands you see, what people are showing down is insane some of the time. Like it is such a time. I would do it all over again if I could. I love Vegas. So happy to be there. <laughs>
0: nice. It's nice. Well, it sounds like you got it all figured out. Um, yeah. One thing that I got a real kick out of was we got a chance to do some karaoke with TJ and uh, Branson and Mo and Jess yes. there. Uh, that was my first time karaokeing in Las Vegas. Have, have you been out before down there in Sin City?
4: I had it. I hadn't in Vegas, but I will tell you, I probably went karaokeing, or I went to do karaoke. I don't know if that's a verb. I just made it a verb, but whatever. It's a
0: verb. It's totally um, a verb. Yeah. Okay,
4: cool. Yeah, I've I've only been like karaokeing probably like once in my life before Whoa. Vegas. You got the pipes, I Vegas, and I did it like. 11 times. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed. It's so fun.
5: <laughs> um, it is.
4: You can bring people together, sing, you know, sing whatever you want. It's just such a good time, good vibes. I can't wait to take you up on it again. We will do it for sure.
0: It's, it was a blast. That was my first time in one of those like little private karaoke rooms. Yes. So, like, it's, 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 yeah, the, there's different, different performance anxiety levels going on uh, mm-hmm. for that sort of thing.
2: yeah, yeah Joe. Have you- we were hoping there was some video that you could present <laughs> of Jim singing. For, uh, everybody on the record who was hoping to see this video.
4: <laughs> I probably would not be the best person for that. TJ has the footage for sure. <laughs> oh, no. That is his phone out all the time. But I will say this. Jim was literally the most wholesome singer I've ever <laughs> met in my entire life. This man shows up with songs that I've never heard before, but they're like, they're similar vibes to like Sweet Home Alabama. If that, if, <laughs> people know that like they're they're the most wholesome thing it's like the Beatles, and he's playing what was that one that's like from canada it's like about butter or something oh no that that
5: was
0: that was uh by the tragically hip it was ahead by a century yeah yes. that, that was that was a, that was a good one that was a fun one it's literally
4: yeah. the most wholesome thing and you can play the like video in the background at karaoke so he pulls up the song and there's like the video in the background and his people just like wholesomely swinging on rocking chairs and <laughs> They're like I don't even know. They're like churning butter and shit, and we're just like,
5: what is this?
0: <laughs> That's why I, I felt like I had to switch to Satan as my motor at one point, just to yeah. like a little ca- palate cleanser for the group there.
2: Yeah, I, I will now pay money for that video.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Joe. Jo, from what I understand, there was a mysterious fire and all the evidence of that uh, oh, burned up. Yeah, those are rare. But <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how this keeps happening around these kinds of events. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, did you have something there? And I was, I was oh, no,
1: I, was, I well, I was just going to ask if since we've already mentioned Jackie Burkhardt, I don't know if either of you have heard, but she apparently organized this legendary karaoke poker game in Portland, Oregon, which I think mm. is a thing. That have you heard of this, Abby? Have you heard no, it, tales haven't. of this? I've seen
4: pictures of it because yeah. her and Angela dressed up for it, so I've seen the pictures of it happening. But I wish I had some video footage because I literally have no clue how it like would take place apparently Uh,
1: you you just basically when your name is called you have to get up and sing right there there's like an orbit penalty if you don't um and if you're in a hand you still have to like do the mechanics <laughs> while you're singing. And it's, it's, so it, it sounds kind of legendary. So then we need I to go.
5: It. Yeah,
0: that sounds perfect. You're run
4: good. We'll be there.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. That we definitely have to do that then for sure. Yeah. And yeah, Abby, you you've got quite an edge uh up there on the karaoke. So if you if you're calling me wholesome, I was gonna say you freaking brought it. Uh you got bring those pipes to the show. That was awesome. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's it's a fun listen, it's like all these things, you know. We we love this game of poker. We like making friends doing it. It's a social game. And the kind of folks that we like, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We have fun. We go out there and, you know, what what did Branson say on his way? out? He's like, hey, Jim, that was really fun. You really sing from the heart.
2: Yes, <laughs> like, Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> like, that's what people say when they want to say something nice about the way that you're saying <laughs> it was uh, it was super fun. So I am, I am looking forward to, to that again, for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, the last question that I'm going to ask you today. Thanks for your time. We're coming up on an hour here. So, you know, the guests are fun when uh, time flies by like this. Um, <laughs> we've had a good time um, looking back on your life. And this can be with within poker or outside of poker. Um, you've had all this success. You're you're living this wonderful life. Um, we've only gotten an hour in, of insight into what what goes on uh, with you. But what's one thing you would do differently if you could do it all over again. One thing you would do different.
4: I'm calling Steven Chidwick, brother. money. Ah! I was ready to <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. But I mean, hindsight's 2020. Like if you if you know you're gonna bust the main event before the money, like you're calling there every time. Like, show me yeah. the block. Like, show me yeah. the bluff. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. If, If I had to do one thing differently, I think that I would have taken the leap earlier. I really, like I said this before, but like I'm just really into the idea that you should love what you do and do what you love. And like, mm. I have known for a couple years now that like poker is that for me. Um, I always kind of knew that like it it was something that I was doing when not only when I had the free time, like it was something that I was making free time for. And like studying wasn't a chore to me. Like I actually really enjoyed learning the the spots and like finding bluffs and like reading hands and being like, oh my God, like this was horrible. So like me making mistakes was fun for me. And like me losing money was good. (laughs) You know what I
5: mean? Yeah. Um,
4: so either way, like I think, you know, people are really afraid to take that leap and like jump into poker and like I whether you're a woman and you're you're struggling with that, like reach out to me because I'm more than happy to talk to you about that specific point. But also like if you're a guy or a girl and you're just like looking for the the push you need to like get into poker and take the leap and and do it and try it this is your sign, you know, like anything can happen. And when you're doing what you love, it can never be, you, you can never be doing something wrong. So mm. yeah, I think that would be my, my biggest regret, but it's That's all right. a
0: good one. That's a good. one. thanks for sharing with us. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah. thanks for your time today. And I'm looking forward to uh, what the future holds and seeing this uh, continued ascent of, uh, of Abby poker in the, in the poker sphere. So Um, it sounds like we're definitely going to get some people out for that Cincinnati event. Maybe we can do some karaoke. The YouTube chat's going crazy about this poker karaoke idea here, the karaoke poker. So I think we're going to be doing something fun around that for sure. Um, Abby, uh, if folks do want to reach out to you, it's at Abby poker on, uh, on Instagram and TikTok and it's at Abby poker 34 on Twitter. Is there anywhere else that people should, uh, look for you if they want to find you?
4: Yeah, I have a small YouTube channel. I've put out like three or four videos of me punting and losing money. So if you want to see that, um, feel free. Uh, (laughs) It's a good time. But most of my stuff is on TikTok and Instagram. I post uh, hand histories like literally almost every day. If you want to hear more like the Stephen Chidwick hand, um, me roasting myself for punts. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my Instagram story is going to do it. I have a lot of interactive stuff on there too. Like what would you do? I literally respond to people all the time about... You know, hand histories or their thoughts on the hand, whatever, because um, we're all just trying to get better at the end of the day. So yeah, find me there.
0: Right on. Well, um, we're going to do our little uh, raffle here to support food banks in uh, North America in particular. So folks can start entering the words food bank into the YouTube chat. Um, Abby, thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, it was fun. a real pleasure talking to you. Me. Yeah. Now, I think uh, I don't usually put players on the spot, but I think uh, I enjoy talking strategy with you so much here. Uh, when we get offline, I'm going to send out an invite. Maybe we can have you back on the forums edition of the podcast and talk yeah. a little more strategy specifically. I think that'd be a lot. Totally. Of well. Yeah. I have a All bunch right. Of nice. Yeah. yeah,
4: we'll do it.
0: Sweet. We're going to do it. All right. Well, feel. I think um, you're welcome to stick around. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about home games and that kind of thing. So feel free to just hit the X and um, everyone uh, check out Abby on on the various platforms and you'll see her again right here at Rec Poker. Thanks again, Abby. Thank you. Have a good night. So, yeah, folks, start typing the words food bank into the chat here and we'll do our uh, raffle. Thanks to either Chris or Joe's Nerdy Dice. We'll kind of have to figure that out as we go. Um, I want to just before we get into that, I want to mention that it is the week. It is here. It is Rec Poker Weekend at Running Aces. It's coming up. It's right around the corner. It's this weekend. If you're listening to this live on YouTube and watching, I suppose, uh, you've got a few days to get those flights booked and uh, get your hotel reservations in at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And if you're listening to this live when it comes out on Friday, you can probably still make lead re- late registration of event number one, which starts at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. Event number two is at six o'clock on Friday afternoon. And event number three is at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then we're going to get a, uh, uh, a friendly rec poker cash game set up after that. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Phil has put a bounty on me this is a an a interstate bounty he's put a bounty on me from multiple states away in event number two which is only open to Rec poker uh, uh members so if you take me out, of event number two you're going to win $12.50 <laughs> compliments of <laughs> of Phil Razor who has put the money in escrow I can confirm that the money is being held by an independent third party yeah Chris you want to jump in there
1: oh I was just going to ask because our listeners may want to know what does it mean to be to, uh, I don't know I don't know how to be a member how do I do this how do, can, oh. I, can I just not play Friday night G-
0: great question I mean oh thanks that- thanks <laughs> I mean, Chris, it's so easy to become oh, really? a member is at your really? rec poker.
1: Oh, really, tell and, me more. And it's free. It's, it's perfectly free? free. Oh it's my God, free. really? Yeah, the so value is off the all Free charts. community members are eligible, but only free community members are eligible to play Friday night. Is that what That's
0: you're telling right. me? That's what I'm saying. Oh, wow. Okay. Amazing, right? If And you can go to
3: rec.poker slash register and
0: just sign up for a free account right now. All it wait, takes wait. is
3: an email address and a smile. So you're saying that. Members who actually pay are not eligible?
0: I knew you were going to come in there with that, John. I, I mean, that's what Chris implied. Let me do you one better, John. Not only are premium members also eligible for event number two, but if you play in event number one and you're a premium member, then you get a $10 food voucher. Which is just like putting money right in your pocket. And I'll remind folks: if you use the code Rec Poker, you get your first month of premium membership for only five dollars. So just do some quick math here. Show up at Running Aces, sign up for premium membership using code Rec Poker for five bucks. Get a $10 food voucher in your pocket, your hot little hands right there. You've already made $5 by becoming a Rec Poker Premium member. And you get to play in event number two, where you could win $12.50. Yeah, no, that, those are US dollars too, folks, just for some of our international uh members. That's $12.50 US cash in your pocket uh for taking me out. Uh we are also gonna have some other prizes, uh, some rec poker merchandise, some running aces swag. There is a player of the series race, uh so a points race for players throughout all three events. Uh so do come and have some fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. And I'm really looking forward to uh Meeting uh some some new wreck poker members and hanging out with some wrecking crew members. And uh I'm just glad Phil's not gonna be there because even though he's putting a bounty out on me, my own mother wants me to remind him that she thinks he's funny. So thanks, thanks, Phil, and thanks, Martha. Just throw me under the bus right there. But in all seriousness, Martha, I know you're not watching us live, but uh, I know you're listening and get better soon. We're all we're all rooting for you over here on the wrecking crew. Um all right. I just, I just have to oh, Chris, turn yeah.
1: to one uh, comment in the chat, which I think is going to be many of our strategies on uh, Friday night. Event <laughs> number two is type login says, nice. I'm three betting Jim, every hand pre-flop. <laughs> <Right. Yeah.
5: laughs>
1: could, be, could be a long uh, long night for you, Jim. Or a short night, sounds, sounds like it, it might depends. be a pretty
0: short night. But, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm just going to tighten up my range. and I'm going to four bet at an appropriate frequency and I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you in jail, type lock, and come at me, Joseph. I just, I know. I know what's going on here, uh, but yeah, I, I do. I I do think it's kind of interesting when players get a bounty on them, how it changes the dynamic at the table and how people should adjust. And um, I'm not doing it properly, but I think it, there is kind of an argument for examining how that how that affects the ranges that people should use. Uh, Joe, you unmuted there. Oh, sorry, John, go first.
3: I was just gonna say, I think. You know, the proper strategy when you have a bounty on yourself is just to have bigger hands. I mean, right, yeah, bigger just, hands yeah, yeah. generally is a good idea.
2: Yeah. Is that about what you had, mind you? I, well, sort of. I just, I'll believe it when I see it when you tighten up your range. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is the, maybe this is just what I needed. Maybe I need, I have to like, Mostly when I play tournaments, I should just pretend that there's a bounty on me. And that'll be just when I need to kind of tighten up into a slightly less Busterini-approved model. Uh, all right. So, oh, we got a lot of food bank people uh, tonight. Well, let's see. Um, Chris and Joe, you guys duke it out. Who's going to, if it's cam or uh, D20 Online, whatever that one is. Let's do the order here. The first person I see is the RRRCCC. Then Luke. Then Ethan, then Joe, then Mary, then Phil, then type login. That's seven. Then Dave, then Stuart. I see nine. Is that is that is that the same order that you guys yep. uh yep. yep. Okay. So you can't even roll the eight cider. What Chris, Chris and Joe, who's it gonna be? Do you,
1: I don't do you want me to I I can try to log in let's, really. Here here we go here we go. Should we okay let's try okay, let's,
0: hold let's on try, let's try the Daiso can. This is this is real Enjoy. time real time <laughs> real time technical mastery. Uh, John, you are muted just go. so in case you're uh, in so full okay. Somsky yeah. mode right now.
3: Got it. Yes, I was.
0: Yeah, <laughs> were you? Was there something you'd like well, to share with the group, John?
3: It, 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 I was just going to start the the. Home game winners while we were waiting, but Chris is so fast that there's no need. <laughs> there.
1: We go, there we go. Okay, okay, right, go. okay. Yeah. What, are you ready? Okay, I've got a test slider.
0: Okay, so what's can the You probably re-roll? can't
1: see it that well, though, right? Can you? No, I think okay, I think but,
0: we'll know if you're BSing.
1: Okay, and if it's a zero, we'll roll again.
0: Okay, all right, ready? Like it. Here it comes, Diceo Cam. It's
1: a nine. Can you tell that it's, it's a nine? I promise, try, it's a nine. try it
0: from the side a little. Try yeah. See if that angle works with the light. I think that's a nine. I can see a nine. It's either a six or a nine. I believe you.
1: It's definitely a nine. There. Can you tell the, the number yeah. there?
0: Oh, nine. that's the way. Get the light there behind it. Yeah. There we go. All right. It's a nine. cam. The cam comes through and it comes through for Stuart Carriage. That old uh, son of a gun. Congratulations, Stu, and uh, uh, welcome. You have won a prize since you are already a Rec Poker Premium member. You have won a month at either pokercoaching.com or learnpropoker. Um, I don't want to put words in the mouths of some of our other partners, so I won't keep saying them out loud. But I'm pretty sure you're going to have a good selection of, of fantastic poker training sites that you have just won a free month of, and it's just one of the perks of showing up here on Monday nights to uh, join the YouTube chat and win a prize for free. So, um, Stuart, please send that email info at Reck Dot Poker, uh, John Somsky, you were about to unleash some home game winners on our audience here. Why don't you step right in?
3: Well, Kelly S nineteen sixty two twenty Kelly. got her second nightly victory for the year. Nice. K Poker wannabe Ron Payton, Ron got his seventh nightly victory for the All year. All he does is win. Isma got his or her third nightly victory for oh, the year. Nice Hot fight. Rod Bunny got his or her second nightly victory <laughs> for the year, and Pet Vet Thirty Three Kim Kilroy oh. got her fourth nightly victory for a year, bringing her to a lifetime achievement <laughs> of forty four. Yeah, Yo. close to that. That's uh,
1: oh man, forty four. That's a lot.
3: Yes, yeah, that's like,
0: and that's like shooting your age in
3: golf. You're getting really close there, Kim. Congratulations. <laughs> so then we have. A big deal, 1992, Brian DeHaven got his second nightly victory for the year. K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton won the Daily Mixed event for the fourth time this year and second time in a row. Last week, he was also the winner. Holy cow. Two weeks
0: in a row. And Ron, if you're listening, um, I'm emailing you with your free uh, month at Learn Pro Poker. We were having a little trouble getting the codes all sorted out, but congratulations on that. And congratulations on this freaking amazing streak you're on. We're talking about K Poker Wannabe like every week on the show here. So congratulations, Ron. Really, really well, well done. Very impressive. He has had 15
3: wins this year. Okay, that's, that's, amazing. Wow. that's amazing. You know, that's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um uh, Another point I was going to bring up is the games have been Bidugi. However, we played our Bidugi game in April. This was supposed to be Raz. I have it <laughs> for this coming Saturday. So we will get in one practice event for, of Raz prior to our uh, next week's our mixed game series for August. But I go. apologize for that. Jaden Jewell, Mary McCune got her first international victory. Yeah, Mary. No, this is awesome.
0: Mary and I have been talking for a while now. She was really looking forward to getting that first pin. Uh, I'm really excited for her. Congratulations, Mary. Way to go. I know you've been working hard on that one. You deserve it. Nicely done.
3: Then B-Chip Charles Allen got his third international victory for the year. And licorice guy citing Jesus got won the daily lPP event, so he can contact info at rec.poker for his free month at learn pro poker,
0: yeah, citing Jesus, don't be afraid to hit me up there um and make sure you get your free month at l p p and congratulations to Charles too um it's amazing, I just love seeing these folks that. It's, you get more involved in the stuff that we do here at Rec Poker. And then all of a sudden we see your name in the winner's circle more and more often. I don't think it's a coincidence, folks. I think the more you engage with other people who love poker and think about poker and talk about poker and sort of keep your mind steeped in poker, the better it is. And the results don't lie. So congratulations to uh, all our, all our winners. Uh, what else? Is there anything else that we should? cover tonight, folks. I feel like we had a great interview with Abby. We are all stoked about Wreck Poker weekend at Running Aces coming up. Um, I guess I'll thank our sponsors one more time, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. I want to thank Abby Merck for her time. This amazing group in the YouTube chat. I, I get so much out of seeing these people having fun in the YouTube chat. And I know I speak uh for the rest of the wrecking crew at the same time. Um, so thank you guys. Thanks to all our premium members. Of course, uh, John, Joe, Kim, and uh, Chris, we couldn't do it without you. And um, everyone else out there. And Phil for saying nice things in the chat. You're the best, too. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see
5: you all next week.